one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Cool fact: A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Jenny Wren. I've been a festival booker for over 15 years, mom of two, four if you count the dogs. I've buried my sister and my parents, partied like it was 1999 for over 20 years, modeled for five minutes, worn far too many accessories, and not enough self-care. I've had breast cancer and epiphanies. Safe to say, she's been around. You're listening to Hindsight Conversations, where my guests are invited to bring to the table what it is they want to discuss, feel ready to share from where they are in their lives. We meet it together with no agenda. No topic is off limits, from the frivolous to the profound, the gnarly to the joyful, painful to the practical. Red flag moments you can only see when looking back, but looking back to move forward. Join me weekly where we explore the 2020 vision of hindsight. Everyone has it. In this episode, I speak to Martin McWard, better known as Martin Beans Ward. We literally could have spoken for hours and hours and had such fun; it was quite hard to edit. <laughs> Martin is um, known as a stand-up comedian, writer, theatre actor, podcaster, and social commentator from the Irish traveller community. He started his stand-up career in 2005 and has since gone on to perform across Ireland in every major venue. Martin has also performed in Electric Picnic, All Together Now, and is the creator of Sham Alive, Tume's first comedy festival. Aside from performing, Martin is an advocate for human rights, fairness, equity, and inclusion. Keep an eye out for another piece of writing he has coming out in the Irish Times around the end of June about travellers, singers, and musicians. Losing all my shows last year—that was. Very stressful because leading up to even getting to a point where I had an audience to buy tickets, and then having to fight venues to just book their venue, after overcoming all of that, for the pandemic to come at that point, and having had sold out shows, that then had to be reimbursed. Like I had sold out shows last year that had to be just sent back. Like wow. some of the shows are selling out within like a week. Like there was one one Cork show they were sold out within a week. Like it was a hundred and something people, and it was like my first time ever performing in Cork, like on my own, and it was just it was heartbreaking. Like so heartbreaking, yeah. yeah well, it really was. Like it was. Yeah, it must it must lift your heart somewhat to know that there was a hundred over a hundred tickets, hard tickets sales. Yeah. That that's you know yeah. my only knowledge of ticket sales is obviously promoter side. That you know that's. I've done, I've done that too. Okay. <laughs> I, yeah. So, um, I, I, but this is different. This was because I would have run comedy events. I, I came up with this great idea. People weren't booking me to do comedy shows, so I said, "Fuck it, I create. I'll create my own circus." 
and it was going pretty well actually we had like six venues uh limerick dublin just all the way across the country and my my dream was to get one in each county and then to have maybe a local stand-up mc it under that brand so that was to kind of disempower the i suppose establishment that is the circuit that was kind of stonewalling people you know that you know you know the promoters that say yeah yeah send me on 10 minutes of your footage and i'll see what i can do maybe we can give you five minutes maybe you can drive all the way from galway to dublin and we give you five minutes unpaid you know something like that so i wanted to kind of disempower that and just make sure that everyone either had their fuel paid for or were getting paid the proper rates um and that was all going well but then it just got a bit messy and i found that when I was looking to book venues and to expand, I was having an issue with that. And okay. I was at that, at that point and I was, I was like, you know what, just focus on yourself. I did some LGBT pride gigs, which is great. Um, it was That was really, really good, actually, because I got to kind of develop more on the LGBT side. <clears throat> and I was supported quite well with that with, with most of the pride committees as well. But then I needed to get on stage for myself, my own show, you know, mm. and that's kind of where I'm at now. <laughs> and I wouldn't mind, but then this year I've decided to write a play. So I'm going to step away from stand up for a year. Wow. Yeah. Um, I was lucky enough to get a theatre bursary. Fantastic. The Arts Council of Ireland. I was so lucky to get that. Um, but it, it was always an area that I wanted to develop as an artist anyway. Mm. Um, and if, if in, in hindsight, had I not, started my career in comedy, I probably would have tried to start it in theatre because I think it's a, fun, a fantastic foundation block for any type of performing because it, it teaches you how to write, it teaches you how to perform, it teaches you how to use all of the emotions, how to evoke those emotions from people, from strangers, be it sadness or happiness or shock. Whereas comedy focuses on the either, you know, you're outraged or it's, it's you're finding it hilarious. Um, there, it's kind of minimal in what you get. It's still, I've, in my mind, it's still the most difficult of of the arts to perform because you are literally walking on stage, and then it's three, two, one, be funny, yeah, uh, make me laugh. And of course, humor is highly subjective, so people are already like, um, you know, they're they're listening to your jokes, and they're if they don't get it, still you the problem. Then it's not me. It's you. You performed that wrong. Like I, it's just a crap joke. It's not that I didn't get it. It's just your shit. You're not funny. Um, luckily for me, now I never really had that much reaction like that. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I, I would have, I would have definitely started with theatre. But look, I'm heading into theatre now, and I want to do a really nice play about my people. Um, I put up a poster today. I have the artwork and everything worked out for us. And I have the name, which I haven't told anyone yet, but I'm going to tell you it's called oh, wow. the Minkier Manifesto. Okay. So Minkier is the name of, 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 our, of my people, travelers. Yeah. yeah. Um, another word would be Pavi, but Minkier people would have been what we were. Uh, we've been called travelers, but you see, the traveling aspect of the, of the culture was only one tiny part of it. Not all travelers traveled. You know, we were a nomadic people, but our, our culture transcended just one aspect of it, if you know what I mean. Uh, the action of traveling wasn't even unique to Irish travelers going back far enough. A lot of people were nomadic for work reasons or for whatever. Um, 
so yeah, it's the Minkier Manifesto. Uh, That's wonderful. The artwork that you put up, is that that beautiful painting? I think I saw it on your yes. Instagram feed. Yeah, a Brazilian artist did it for you. Is yeah, that the a, one? Friend, yeah. a friend of mine, Arthur uh, Gonçalves. Um, he he would have, I would have met him nearly 10 years ago now. He came to Galway to learn English and we, we stayed as friends. And of course, I've travelled to Brazil as well. Uh, and I love Brazil and I'm a fellow Portuguese, um, pouquinho Portuguese. So I, I actually, I, I, I love, I love, I love Brazilian culture. I, I love culture anyway, but I love Brazilian culture. And this guy's artwork is absolutely phenomenal. Um, and I needed a piece of artwork. So I'd rather go to somebody that I know is really good, pay them for it. I think that's the main thing is to pay, pay the artist. Um, and then, you know, like this is what's this is what is going to be used then for my my poster, I suppose. So you started with with stand up. However, did you did you at some point do theatre? No, no, okay. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, it was an area that I always wanted to get. Now, now I, when I, I haven't done theatre, but I've written three plays. Okay. And, and I actually wrote my first play before I finished my leave insert. Uh, oh. So it'll, it'll tell you which direction I wanted to go in. And yeah. it was entirely by fluke that I ended up in comedy. It was, you know, uh, Des Bishop came to June, you know, to get participants for his new TV show, Join the Hood. And he was to live with, uh, disadvantaged communities and teach them how to be standard comedians. And he, of course he came to tune with the travelers and I didn't have any interest whatsoever in standard comedy. I didn't even, I've never, I had never even watched standard comedy. That's the funniest part about it. And ironically so. Um, but in the, in the tune Herald, it said on the, the heading Bishop to make laughing stock of travelers. That was the heading. So I was like, Oh Yeah. Who the fuck is this bishop? Like I mean, <laughs> you're making a lot, you won't be making no holy show out of me. Uh, and at the time, I was an equality officer for East Galway Holy Cantor in Sinn Fein, and of course, my ears were perked at that point, and I was like, oh yeah, we'll see about that now. And off I off I go, and I go down, and I you know did the the it was more of a conversation than an audition, but one of the questions they asked on the page was, what is your favorite instrument? And I said, the cello. And I swear to you now, I was talking to the director afterwards. The only reason I was chosen for that show was because I was so out of the ordinary for what they had perceived travellers to have been interested in. So because I chose the cello, that's why my whole comedy career started. Can you imagine how, how, how weird that is? That the fact that somebody's preconceived notions about your intellect or interest is the basis for your full career now. You know, it's 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 crazy when you it think is. about it. Do you remember how that felt? Well, it was after actually it was a, it was a mixture of emotions. Yeah. I got a, I got an email uh, from one of the researchers uh, from Peer Pressure Production. I think it was. I don't even know if they exist anymore. But uh, they were great. They were great. Like it was, a, it was a great experience. But when I got the call, I was like, I wasn't expecting. First of all, I wasn't expecting to get any call back whatsoever. Um, and then I did, <laughs> and I was like, okay, uh, why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> why me? Uh, and I didn't find out until after filming why, because I made friends with the director, and that's when he told me. But when I got the call to say this, you know, would you would you be interested in taking part in the show? It was like I was 18 and 
I was like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, okay, I will. And, and and I went for it. But like, honestly, my mind at that point in my life was political, purely political. I had aspirations to become more political. Um, and I didn't see this as even promoting that. I just saw this as something new. And I, I suppose a little bit of an opportunist within me said, yeah, you need to grab this. I truly believe, I'm not an overly religious person, but I truly believe, and I mean this now, if we map out everything that happens in our life, it's almost like we're, 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 we're provided with signposts, little moments in our life where our decision is the whole basis of where we end up. And I truly believe even if you make a mistake and you take a misstep and you may have made the wrong, the wrong decision at the beginning of where you wanted to go with your life, I truly believe that be it the universe or God or, 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 or whatever, you know, that collection of energies or, or all of the gods or Hera or Wonder Woman or fucking Superman. <laughs> I truly believe that things aren't mapped out for you but you're given the tools to map things out for yourself, to send you them so you can help yourself to feel good about yourself, to find out the actual, I suppose, opportunity you, you, you can have in life to help somebody else. And that's a very rewarding experience. Not to sound too wankery talking about it, because no, I think, well, no, I truly that's believe beautiful. that. Yeah, I, I, uh, I, I, well, I think you've, you've, um, mapped it out very eloquently and not wankery at all as you put it <laughs> I have to stop myself sometimes like you can just beep those words out as well you know? uh, but you get what I mean it's like absolutely I, 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 I truly believe everything we do in life um, reverberates it really does uh, be it a, a good decision or a bad decision but I do also believe that nobody's beyond redemption um, and I don't mean if you do something bad, I'm talking about redeeming yourself for yourself, you know, redeeming a part of yourself that you'd given up on because you didn't have the confidence or you didn't have, you know, the because uh, you do need a certain amount of ego to be really successful in entertainment. You need to believe in your ability. And I don't. I'm, I'm, I, I've spent so much of my life with this imposter syndrome. It's almost like if I was to if I was to explain where I am right now. And I have a lot of opportunities before me, by the way. I'm doing quite well now. And there's a lot more uh, in the pipeline that I can't talk about right now, but there's a lot of good stuff happening. And I sit back sometimes, it's almost like it's a fucking haze. It's like, like, am I really here? I don't feel like I'm here in the moment. I feel like I'm just coasting through. And these things are kind of drawn towards me. And it's like, I'm afraid sometimes to commit to them in case I lose them. And I, I, I do, as you can probably tell, I spend a lot of time in my own head, a lot of introspection. Um, and because I, I find that that helps me to write, it helps me to write poetry, it helps me to write comedy, um, but it also helps me to, I suppose, find out where I really want to be. Because if I've got imposter syndrome, it's for a reason. It's because I don't believe that I'm good enough. And then where does that stem from? So it's always important to have a little bit of introspection because there's nothing more, I suppose, disgusting than somebody who thinks that they truly deserve everything in life and not just that they deserve everything in life, that by God, you better give them what they want in life. I don't really buy into that whole go get them attitude. I think that you need to realize that uh, a lot of things are gifts 
Uh, and if you if you can't acknowledge that what you what you have, the the money you have, the the house that you have, the friends that you have, regardless of all the tragedies or the loss or the bereavement or any issues you have, everything you have aside from what you've lost, you should be grateful for because there's other people out there who don't have any of that. While I've always been grateful, I think as I've gotten older, I can meet gratitude an awful lot more. And I was always extremely taken with my father in particular of his humility and um, and gratitude with the most simple thing. Yeah. And that was aside from many other things that he gave me, definitely a gift. So while I probably lost it in my hedonistic you know, 16 to 35, my teenage years went on a long time. (laughs) 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 I know that that grounding was, I never took anything for granted, particularly. Um, And yet I might use slightly different terms or, you know, we all have our own understanding of word. I definitely believe in vibration and that kind of collective energy and you know what you're getting out you get back and that yes. reciprocal energy but which actually which which does tie into the christian faith it ties into it many does, faiths, yeah. actually. so if if like not to stop you talking but you mentioned vibes there mm-hmm. that's something that i used to i suppose pawn off as intuition i used to say you know i'm just intuitive or I have a good gut instinct but in actual fact is a lot more and i think a lot of people would pawn it off also as pseudoscience well, in actual fact, if you were to look at, our, at the makeup of our, our, our body, our biology, we're, we're water. Water vibrates anyway. And we are electricity. We are essentially batteries. Like, I, like if you were to watch the Matrix movie, it would show you that as well. But like, I truly believe that you can, you, you can pick up on vibes when you walk into a room. It's those moments where the hair stands up or you may feel this sudden rush of like uh, butterflies in the stomach um, there's so many different things. And I think because of technology, we've shut off a lot of that, a lot of our own sensitivities, to things around us, which unfortunately means we've shut off our, our sensitivities for having empathic uh, views or empathy, actually, more than empathic views, having empathy to be able to feel somebody else's emotion or, or what they're going through. Because technology shuts that off. It gives us this instant gratification. It gives you this instant um, overload of the senses, be it, you know, somebody likes my picture, I'm going to feel happy. Somebody's left a nasty comment, I'm going to feel sad. So we have technology literally controlling our emotions. If that is the case, then we're not looking within ourselves. And if we're not looking within ourselves, we can't connect to the person beside us. And that's really unfortunate. Every so often I indulge okay. in, in looking uh, on uh, like property.ie or oh, those yeah. property pages, like what land is for sale. I just ha- I have this dream that if I ever make enough money, and like enough money to me is like a hundred grand. <laughs> you know, it's like that's like somebody's wages somewhere for a year, you know. Uh, that'll tell you where I'm at in my career, guys. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, it's like that it's like I would love the opportunity to buy land and you know, do it up and have like little wood log cabins inside so family can come over. I'd love to build a little area where I can get those barrel top wagons, build an actual camp, 
leave it there, have people come over, experience that. There was even a point in my life where, not that long ago actually, um, where I was thinking to have like a traveller festival type of thing. If I got like 20 acres and, you know, set it up where, you know, you came along and you stayed in the either the bender tents or, you know, what like was made look tradition, like a traditional little camp and to have basically a cross-community approach. So getting singers and performers from from travellers and from outside the travelling community, because unfortunately not enough traveller uh, artists are actually um, booked for these things. Um, but also what's more unfortunate is a lot of settled people or non-travellers don't get to experience those performances. And if we were to create a space, this is why I was thinking by land and do all this, you know, great. Um, again, a pipe dream. I'm very idealistic, as, as I'm sure you've already gathered by now. Uh, but I think I, that's I, that's what I do. My little pastime is I dream about getting a job where I can actually buy this piece of land. Um, yeah. But things grow from dreams, you know. I, I uh, you know, was always told as a kid, and when I think of my school days, I spent my days just staring out of the window and in dream world and have often worried that, oh God, I think I've spent, you know, 80% of my life in dream world. So yeah. I think I know what you mean around coasting, but I, I think it's some form of dream world. But to to link the two up, you you I think you have to go to dream world and you have to put it out there and you have to, you know, we'll we'll go for environmentalism now into manifestation, but there is <laughs> and vibes, man. We're, we're going full hippie. We need to change our <laughs> tie-dye and get some sage going here. But, <laughs> um, and I read a great piece a while ago. Of course, I, I don't have it to hand now uh, uh, around this exchange and that it is an extremely important place to go to. And a lot of the, you know, the best thinkers in the world had their like inspirational ideas on, was it Edison with electricity or whatever, like in his dream. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Yeah. One of them built the mission. I can't remember, like, did the thing in their dream. So it is an important place to go and to visualize it and see it. And also that 
you know, to maybe not have ownership. Maybe if, if you know, if you don't do it, you can co-create it with somebody else. But to have the dream and the vision is important. Well, I, I'm I'm constantly dreaming, so I need to probably stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> but then again, it's the pandemic. We're not allowed to actually do anything in the real world anyway. So yeah. might as well dream away. Um, but actually, it's funny because most of the big things I've done in life would be from daydreaming. Daydreaming, because I don't just daydream. I, like, I see what I want to get. Mm. I, I, see, I see the goal, and then I focus on it so much that my real life actions tend to gravitate towards that mm. subconsciously if you know what I mean I do because I was as you were talking about all of you know you're from comedy from setting out you know from political to uh, applying for you know the Des Bishop um, what struck me was I, I'm, I'm interested to know you're like your your process. It might be too strong. Or like uh, you know, I'm not trying to pin you down to a process, but there's there's a lot of growth in your artistic, in your creative uh, approach. And and I'm wondering, have you have you just always been working on that? Is you know, you've just said it there that you see something, and then you like it's almost like everything angles towards that. I see. This is a strange. This is going to sound so weird. I, I do things, okay, so for example, I would put something up into the public. It could be a poem, and it would cause a, a conversation. From that conversation, somebody would read that, and somebody would get in touch, and they'd say, geez, I like your poem. Would you mind doing an interview here? I do that interview. Somebody else hears that interview, and then I might mention in that interview that I'm also a comedian. Somebody then wants to book me for a gig. I do that gig. Somebody's in the audience that asked me, do you want to come on a podcast? Do the podcast. Then I get a spark of inspiration to start my own podcast. I start building up my own name. Then somebody says, you should write about that episode that you just did. Then you write about it. You pitch it. And then somebody like the Irish Times says yes. And then you think you've made it. And then you put that out. And then somebody else sees that post on your Twitter. So then they look through your Twitter feed and they see this other post about a TV sitcom idea. And then you get talking to them about everything. Is connected. I mm. feel that everything is connected. Mm. And while I'd love to be able to say that I have cracked the code in how to work this process, I haven't. I've been lucky. But I've also allowed myself to not be rigid. Yeah. I think that's the important part. To be, allow yourself to be fluid. Because if you go out into the world thinking that you're only going to do one thing, you tend to focus only on that and then you miss all the beautiful opportunities that the universe might have planned for you mm. or that or, or whatever might have planned for you um and that's what i do that is my, my process is to have no process uh, but when i do sit down to work i work really really fucking hard and I, yeah. I i i will write prolifically like when i write an article i could write three thousand words inside two hours and i would uh. just get so stuck into it um yeah, like anything I do, I just I allow it to flow. I also, I'm very honest with who I am. I'm that's, very genuine. Uh, th- that's what's really coming across for me, that yes, you'll say, you know, that these opportunities are, are there, but within it all is this, uh, or what I'm feeling even in this conversation and just from our, uh, yeah, our, our brief Twitter correspondence, et cetera, is a deep and true authenticity. Well, to the, to the, to the point that there's absolutely no point in pretending to be something you're not. Mm-hmm. Because 
that's that there's no longevity in that also wouldn't I, my mother would have said when i was younger um always be yourself uh because if you make friends for being somebody that you're not they'll never truly be your friends because you'll always end up being yourself in the end and i think that's so true that if you spend all of your time hoping that people accept you to for, for being the version that you put out there uh, and i see it all over social media it's all over social media like I don't get it. Just show yourself warts and all. And the ones who, who like you for warts and all will be the ones that you should want around you in the first place because they, they like you for who you are, not for the version that you put out. Be yourself. Mm. Be true to yourself. And again, I suppose this, this stems from me being gay as well. And from me telling, like recently telling a trans traveler, be yourself. And it's easy for me to say be yourself when, like, for example, Ruby would be, getting physically assaulted for being a trans traveler. And I suppose it's easy for me to say, be yourself. But again, it's better than not being yourself because those punches and attacks will stop. But you'll never stop regretting not allowing yourself to be yourself. You know, you can't allow fear to stop you from being who you are. And I think that's the central point in what I do, because I know I, I get so much hatred online. I just block people now. Um, do you? Oh, I do. I I, I, block, I used to engage in conversations with people, but then I, I realized that why? Like, settle people don't do that. Settle people don't feel the need to, you know, have a conversation with a racist and, you know, I suppose, argue their existence. Oh, God, no. <laughs> you know, yeah. it doesn't happen. So I don't feel as though I owe it to anybody to... to have a debate or a conversation. No, I'm like, if it was from a religious perspective, then fine. I can, I can come at that academically and I can say, oh, no, I can totally understand that. You know, that that's how, you, that's, that's your belief. And I think, you know, there's a whole psychological thing that comes with belief and it's not as easy as just accepting and forcing people to accept. I can totally get that. But hating for the sake of hating, that's not a conversation. And is the hatred you're receiving because of from your community for, or because you're gay or? Um, like- no, actually, my community, and in all fairness to them, my community would normally come from, as should God help us, he's gay, but should, look, look, don't make fun of it, it might come to your own door. That's the kind of the approach. Not great, but it's not, it's not as aggressive. Um, but then you will get some young travelers who will focus on the likes of Ruby, who's a trans traveler. They just can't wrap their head around this other human being being themselves. It's just like it, that. Where does that hatred fucking come from? Like it should just shouldn't exist. How does one oppressed group allow themselves to further that oppression and to pass that oppression on to somebody else? But I'm sure there's a reason for that. I'm sure there's a psychological reason into the into the minds of, of the oppressed and how, I suppose, in society, we try to find ourselves and where we're socially stratified in order for us to find where we're placed in society. We know we need to know who we see who's above us and who's below us. Otherwise, we're kind of all floating around. So I do understand that, I suppose, from a socio-psychological kind of viewpoint, there are causes, but... I don't think they justify the actions, uh, and not in this day and age. And I think there needs there needs to be a harsher penalty for for those type of assaults because people just won't they won't stop otherwise. Mm. It's r- recognizing that we cannot blame settled people uh, for for the for the racism that occurs 
within some settled circles. Mm. Just like we cannot say all travellers are bad because of those that cause issues within the travelling community. Mm. I think, and this is, I've been totally honest with you, I think, uh, I think, to hear me think... <laughs> Um, I think, like, you know, um, I think, <laughs> honest to God, no, I think that the settled people should be left alone. <laughs> um, don't know why I went all Cork, but um, I love Cork. <laughs> but I, th- I, I do think that settled people are bandied into this group of people where they're seen as privileged. And I know that not to be true. I have friends who are settled people who are poorer than I am. I have friends who are settled people who would have had dinner in my parents' house when they couldn't go home to their own home, either for a variety of reasons, either their parents were uh, alcoholics or that they just didn't have food at home. Mm-hmm. So I know that, that that is not true. I, and I don't like to talk about settled privilege because, again, we're generalizing people. We're generalizing a nation in actual fact. Because we're talking about the majority of, of people in the country. How can you generalize the majority? When it's, it's not as easy as that. It's, it's so segmented. I think we need to break it down to a class issue. And again, back to social stratification. Because you have the working class and then you have, you know, travelers. <laughs> we're always like a, an, an add-on to the working class, um, which is ironic because we can't get fucking work. We know 83, <laughs> 80, 83% of employers want fucking employers. So stop calling us working class. Um, you know, but like, again, how do you, it's like, it'd be like generalizing Irish people because Settled people are the majority, so they will be majority of the country. You can't generalize all of that, and by by doing so, means that you're 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 not even looking at the fact that there are issues within, you know, white settled people communities as well. Like if, if, if to use the Gaeltacht for example, they're 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 out there in Connemara, for example, uh, or on the islands, and they're left to their own devices, and there isn't a lot of job prospects out there. Actually, um, it's quite there's a lot of unemployment out there as well. Um, you know, there's a lot of isolation. There's a lot of elderly isolation out there. Um, and if we're to look at more rural Ireland, you know, there's a lot of crime that happens out there. Um, so like. We're, we we need to understand that not all settled people come with privilege and we need to recognise that is all I'm saying. And I do be very careful about how I approach that. I do believe that there are certain privileges a settled person will have, in fact, in, in, in the fact that they're not a traveller. But then I would see that, you know, maybe travellers may have other privileges that some settled people don't have. Mm. So it, it can't just be one against one and you can't just demonize all settled people. And that's certainly not something I would do. I know you need to get on with your evening, but I, I feel I could spend hours chatting with you. I, I'm just thinking of your creative journey. Um, in hindsight, was there uh, like, do you feel you were that was well, I think it's always within us. So but what, is it in your family? Is there within your family um, a lot of artists or creatives not at all, no. 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 <laughs> um, no, not really. There would have been definitely with storytelling and stuff like that, especially ghost stories. But I think that's just like a... Is that even a traveller thing? I think it's an Irish thing. It's an Irish thing, yeah. An Irish I, thing. I grew up with stories. Yeah, it's an, it's an Irish thing. So I don't think there's any one of my family who followed what I what I do. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, I, you know, sometimes I think... <clears throat> Again, it comes down to how I was born. So I was born gay. Mm-hmm. And 
because I'm gay, I wouldn't have taken the normal route that a young traveler man would take, which would be okay. to get married and to have kids and to work and to and to look for work, you know, and to you know to get a home. Um, and then that's your that's your loss, unfortunately. That is your loss. But again, that's not unique to travelers. We have that with the settled community as well. Be it, you know, get a job, get married, um, save uh, for a deposit, get a house, have a mortgage for the next 40 years, you know, possibly have uh, you know, get divorced. Um, there's so many things that happen in life mm-hmm. that wouldn't be unique to say, for example, travelers. Whereas for me, I don't have any of that because I I'm gay. So maybe. I was I was gifted this to bring an element of traveler life to the arts. Maybe maybe that is my little journey, and maybe my my babies will be my plays and my my jokes. Or if I can bring some kind of oh, I sound like Martin Luther Beans now with the way I'm carrying on. But like if I can, if I if I could even make it somewhat easier to become a nexus point between travellers and non-travellers, be it through the arts or just even being friends, because I think the more we interact with each other on a social level, the better. I think that's what breaks down the boundaries and the barriers. Um, so maybe me being gay and being forced to, you know, have all the hardships of coming out and all of those things that would have happened to me in life, because you can't have empathy unless you've felt well. It's well if you unless you've felt the hard the hardship uh, the harshness of life or tragedy or or loss and bereavement, you can't truly empathise them with another person maybe going through the same thing. So I do think that you have to. It's a little thing. You can't smell the daisies at the back of the garden unless you walk through the shite on the way down. And that's that's a poem yeah. I wrote years ago. Wow. Uh, yeah. So you have to be able to, to sacrifice something in order to get that reward. And I don't see me being gay as a sacrifice, but I do think... You know, I sacrificed a lot of time with anxiety about my my sexuality. And I think my reward is to gift society something that they may be interested in and maybe not be interested in. You know, maybe I'm not. Maybe this is my ego trip now kicking in. I've had three coffees today, so God knows what I'm talking about. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm back onto my Nacarest mist here as well. You know, so. I was going to say it's the mist. Um, But like. Yeah, look, maybe that's my little thing. And that's that's what helps me sleep at night to think that if I can leave something positive behind with all my work, then I, I'll be happy with that. And if I can leave if I can leave a template down or even a footpath down for the next generation of travelers to do even better than me, mm-hmm. then I, I, I would I would happily be I would happily go into oblivion knowing that the next generation are going to leave their mark. What are you sorry you didn't give up earlier? Cigarettes. Okay. Absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. I, like I've gone the last year without having a, 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 a sup of alcohol. Uh, I don't don't miss alcohol whatsoever. Um, the cigarettes, most cigarettes. definitely. I wish I had given up the cigarettes. I started smoking when I was, what, 16, 17? That's 20 years now. Um, yeah, cigarettes for sure. And what are you sorry you didn't start earlier? Oh, okay. There's a lot of those now in fairness. Um, uh, I suppose I wish I started working out. Okay. Even even if it was just 
creating a healthy lifestyle. Um, I wish I had started writing more prolifically, but actually focused writing rather than just kind of sporadically kind of writing a poem here and there. But I think, yeah, I think I would have definitely come out earlier and just started, really? yeah, and started that whole process. Um, I didn't come out until I was in my thirties publicly. Okay. So I, I, I feel as though had I started that process earlier, I may have, I may have gotten to some of the people who have committed suicide in, in, in the, in the years up leading up to that. I've lost friends to suicide and cousins to suicide. And I think that if I was in the right place, I could have potentially helped if, if that makes any sense whatsoever. I, of course it makes sense, but it also, you know, immediately when I hear something like that from somebody like you, I immediately jump to your defense because that is of course not, and I'm not suggesting that you even think that, but we can only do what we can do. Um, and, and it wasn't your job to, to save them. No, it's not about saving them. It was no. Creating the, the discussions because it was only yeah. after it came out publicly that I started having public conversations about what needs mm. to be done to stop mm. the suicide rate, mm. because it's it's quite ridiculous and a lot of suicides will happen within the community where young men or women take their own lives and they would have been gay or lesbian um, or trans and that would never been mentioned. It would be just a tragedy, It'd be a tragedy. But unless we name the tragedies. And this is why I'm saying, like, if I had to come out earlier, I would have been promoting this so much earlier. Um, and I possibly would have been pushing more in the media to get campaigns out. Um, but look, as look, hindsight, this is a great thing about your podcast. Hindsight <laughs> is 2020. It is 2020. Yeah, it is 2020. And yeah, I used to look back on some areas in my life and kind of be beating myself up, like, why couldn't I have done that before? Or why couldn't I have... Um, and just recently I'm able to look back now with a little bit more empathy for myself and hold the space of that. I just wasn't able, it wasn't there. You know, I didn't have the learning. I didn't have it within me. I hadn't gone to the back of the garden quite yet. I was still, I was still in the top half of the garden. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. We are to some extent still. Yeah. Yeah, we are. Um, and in hindsight, what are you most proud of to date? Oh, uh, I think the proudest moment so far career-wise was getting to write about my granny in the Irish Times. That's because it was huge. It's huge for the community, but it's huge for my granny as well. Mm. And to have her remembered. And the Irish Times was so good, by the way. They waited until it was her year anniversary to put it into print. Like, it was just so beautiful to be able to do that. Um, and I'm really proud of myself for that because... To, to, to be able to write for the Irish Times or for the Dublin Enquirer as well, they were really, really good. Um, massive shout out to Lois Capella there. Um, really, really, because my, that first article was edited by her, actually, not the Irish Times. Okay. Um, and she's the one who gave me the first start, and that needs to be acknowledged because without her, I wouldn't have been going towards you know the Irish Times. But that was the proudest point for me because I'd always known that I was able to write. But when you have strangers, like I'll show you now, hang on. So when I wrote that, 
it's a pity I can't just use showing my 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 wall, but I have little things like uh oh my uh okay. Oh, that, I think I saw it on yours. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a gorgeous picture. So that's actually a postcard that was sent to me by some randomer, and there's like six of them up there in the wall that was sent to me. And you, you laugh at this, like it was like Martin Beans Ward, Galway. <laughs> the postman found me, or the post lady found me. Um, so that would be, I think, the proudest moment. I know all all the big gigs were great, and having my first tour was great. But this, what the reason why I'm proud of this is it proved my ability to the point where people felt emotion from it. Mm. Anyone that got in touch said that they were moved by it, and these were settled people. They're reading a story about a traveller granny. And for them to be moved means that I I became the very thing that I mentioned a minute ago, that nexus point. I was able to show that underneath it all, we are all just bags of emotions. And sometimes the bag might have a different color, but the emotions never change. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I learned about that. And that's why I'm proud that I got to write for the Irish Times. I still do, by the way, still do, still do. Um, <clears throat> but look, that's I, I would feel that to be my, my proudest in myself. I can't thank you enough for taking the time to to jump in here and uh Thanks I, for having me. Okay. Not at all. It's a lovely dis- it's, it's actually a really, really nice conversation. Um and very much different to other conversations I would have had because I think you spoke about my authenticity at the beginning, but I think what really shone true was your authenticity because in order for somebody to open up, you need to have somebody who can receive what, what you're opening up with. And you are, you're able to receive well, that. Thank you. Yeah. And I think that's important. You're a good conversationalist. Well done. Thanks. <laughs> now, I as haven't... a man, let me tell you how you can improve. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And come find me over in Hindsight Conversations on Twitter and Instagram. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.